Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be titled, Law-Abiding Citizen. Brothers and sisters, Law-Abiding Citizen. Brothers and sisters, as we will learn today, law is the greatest gift God gave to creation. Brothers and sisters, heaven and earth both operate on laws. If not, explain why Lucifer was hurled from heaven. Brothers and sisters, exactly. So heaven and earth both operate on law. There is law in heaven, brothers and sisters. And guess what? To live in a kingdom, you must submit to laws like all countries. Follow us to Romans, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Paul's epistles. Romans, the eighth chapter, and we're going to read the second verse. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Read that again, brother. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Brothers and sisters, Romans 8 and 2 describes the idea of a universal truth, brothers and sisters. Paul says everything is law. Whether it be of life or of death, there is law. Examine it closely. Let's read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ. See, there's law for life hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's a law for death, brothers and sisters. Everything the Most High God designed was designed to function under law, brothers and sisters. Are you seeing what Paul is bringing here, what Paul is dropping, brothers and sisters? Life and freedom are only possible when law is present, brothers and sisters. In fact, freedom is indicative of a law that's in place already. How do we know? If there's no law in place, what are you free from, brothers and sisters? See? It's impossible to have freedom without boundaries, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time and then we'll go to <clears throat> we'll go to Genesis. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, brothers and sisters, anything you give life, you naturally give it death. Brothers and sisters. So if there's life, there has to be death. Why? Because life in itself brings death with it. Brothers and sisters. If there is a plant uh, that's in the earth, and I pull this plant out of the earth, brothers and sisters, it now begins to die. I don't have to kill the plant. There's a law of death, brothers and sisters. Now guess what? If I put that plant back in the same ground in which I unearthed it from, it begins to live again, brothers and sisters. So guess what? We're going to learn today that the law of death has no power unless the law of life is broken, brothers and sisters. What you'll learn is if you disobey the law of life, the law of death comes alive. Let us show you. Let's go to the beginning, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Genesis, the second chapter, the 15th through the 17th verse. Genesis 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man. Uh-oh, there's a law. Saying, 
Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Thou may what? Thou mayest freely eat. Now, brothers and sisters, there's that word free. <laughs> See, so if, there's fr if, if something is free, that means there's boundaries somewhere, brothers and sisters. Let's read that one more time. Verse 16. Genesis 2 and 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. This was the law of life. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. See? So examine that closely, brothers and sisters, because it was the disobedience of man that activated death. Brothers and sisters, death, which you'll learn, as you'll learn, it existed before it could kill. How do we know? Let's read 17 again, brother, please. No, let's start at 16, please. Genesis 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt what, brother? Surely die. So the f first person to use the word die or refer to death was the Most High, showing you that death existed. Adam had no idea of this. Adam had no idea that death existed up until this point here, brothers and sisters. Why? Because God told death to be a servant of Adam, brothers and sisters. He said the day that you violate the law, you create a new law, brothers and sisters. We're going to use the example again. If I, if there's a bush that's deeply sown into the ground, the roots are there, and I pull that bush up, brothers and sisters. Now remember, the law of plants says what? As long as it's in the earth, brothers and sisters, it can live. Now once you remove it from that earth, once you unearth it, it begins to die. I don't have to kill it, brothers and sisters. See, that's a law. What you'll learn today is that once a law is broken, it creates another law. Brothers and sisters, and what we're seeing here is the disobedience of man was the creation of a new law. A new law is created by breaking of an old law. For example, if we are fishing, brothers and sisters, and we pull a fish out of the water on our line. Now understand, the law for fishes stay in water. Now, if that law gets breaking and I broken and I pull that fish out of water, brothers and sisters, I don't need to kill the fish. <laughs> Why? Because there's a law of death in place. I only thing I have to do is not put it back in water, brothers and sisters. See? So when you break a law, it creates a new law, brothers and sisters. If you're doing 45 in a 20 mile per hour lane, brothers and sisters, you have now broken the law, which created another law that a police now can come to you and give you a ticket or, or arrest you. That's the law. See? So here it is. We're learning a little bit about law, brothers and sisters. Why? Because today's titled lesson is what? Law-abiding citizen. Brothers and sisters, let us show you that death existed before it had power. Brothers and sisters, let's go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to stick in Paul's writings for a while here, brothers and sisters, because Paul was a very intelligent brother. And dropped a lot of knowledge. We're going to 1 Corinthians 15 and 56. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. 
The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now, brothers and sisters, if you look at this closely, sin brought death into the world as a consequence. Brothers and sisters, read it one more time. Verse 56. The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. So that means death gains the ability to harm you through what? Through sin, brothers and sisters. Meaning what? This text, verse 56, implies that death was made without a sting. Why? Because it doesn't get its sting unless you sin. Let's read it again, brother. Verse 56. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. See, so guess what? Death, though it existed, had no power to harm without sin. Brothers and sisters, we need to read the back, the last part of that, though. And the strength of sin is the law. What did that say, brother? And the strength of sin is the law. See, so sin gets its power from people who break the law. See, brothers and sisters, if you, he, he told Adam, listen, if you disobey me, you give death the power to kill you, Adam. Death had no power to pain or kill without sin. It existed. We know it existed because in Genesis, he told Adam, if you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Meaning die or death was in existence. Adam just had no clue of it. So the most I said, Adam, listen, I'm going to give you this big bumblebee, but I, there's going to be no stinger in this bumblebee. I'm also going to give you the stinger. Now, if you put it's if you put if you give the bee the ability to sting you, then that was through your own hand. See, the sting of death is sin, meaning at one time death had no sting, brothers and sisters. And where did it get its power from? Breaking the law. Brothers and sisters, I really need you to examine this because why this lesson is about grace, what grace is and what grace is not. I need Christians to hear this, brothers and sisters, because there's a misunderstanding of what grace is. Grace is being abused, brothers and sisters. So we have to take our time, break it down. So why? So our people who, most Israelites, whether they be black, Hispanic, or native, are in some form of Christianity, whether that's Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholicism, we're, most of us are being controlled through Christianity. And Christianity has given the wrong understanding on what grace is. We have come to give the proper understanding, utilizing the Bible, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Romans. We told you we would use Paul a lot today. Brothers and sisters, why? Because Christians love Paul. Christians will go all through Paul to prove to you that you can do whatever you want. So we're going to go to the same Paul to show you that's not true. Let's go to Romans, the fifth chapter, the twelfth verse. Romans 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world... And death by sin. Read, read the first part, brother, because if you examine it close, it's telling you the power of death was in the hands of man. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for, all, for that all have sinned. For what? For that all have sinned. For until the law of sin was in the world. 
but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So, brothers and sisters, the principle of death was first introduced when? When Adam sinned, brothers and sisters. And guess what? It's our union with Adam that brought us condemnation because of his disobedience, brothers and sisters. Adam's sin was credited to us according to the 12th verse. Let's read it one more time. Verse 12. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now look at the look at the next scripture, brothers and sisters. For until the law, sin was in the world. So sin, the action that's considered sin was always here. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Mm. <laughs> so one cannot break the law unless there's a law to be broken. Brothers and sisters. See? So sin is not charged where there's no prohibition. Brothers and sisters. Are you seeing this? This is critical, brothers and sisters. Because if you're saying we're not under law, then there can be no sin. Read it one more time, brother, please. Verse 12. Verse 13. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. See? So the establishment of law made us guilty by its transgressions, brothers and sisters. The transgressions against the law. So what we have to know is the first thing God gave man was a law. Simultaneously giving him the power of death or over death, brothers and sisters. When a law is broken, therefore a new law must be created, brothers and sisters. We're showing you that Adam became a sinner. You were born a sinner, brothers and sisters. Are you seeing this? We need those who are overdosing on grace to really take their time to open their mind and study from a scholastic, from a from a uh, scholarly level, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Second Corinthians. 13 and 5, brothers and sisters. Please follow us there. Law-abiding citizen. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves. Do what? Examine yourselves. Whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. How that Christ is in you. Except ye be reprobates. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't care if you're a Christian, if you're a Baptist, Pentecostal, Israelite, Catholic. This is a prerequisite, brothers and sisters, to do what? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. See? So we should often be induced to examine the foundation of our walk, brothers and sisters. Self-examination is, is, is necessary. Why? Because of the danger of self-deception, brothers and sisters. How do we know this? Because if walking improperly was uncommon, there would be no need to inquire or examine yourself. See, brothers and sisters? So we need all Bible believers to examine what it is you believe and measure it against the Bible, brothers and sisters. Because today, we will leave no stone unturned Brothers and sisters. Now, what I've learned, brothers and sisters, I learned that even when the scriptures yield forth what Christ's true understanding is, people, when they don't agree with it, will not believe it. 
It's not that they. It's not that it's not true according to scriptures. Is they they don't agree. So since they don't agree, they disregard what's coming out of the text, brothers and sisters. We really have to get past that. It doesn't. The Most High is not in position to morph Himself into what a slave. What what we agree with. So we have to be honest, brothers and sisters. Read verse five again, please, brother. Second Corinthians thirteen, verse five. Examine yourselves. Now, what's the reason for this self-examination? Whether ye be in the faith. Whether what? Whether ye be in the faith. See. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. How that Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. Brothers and sisters, those who refuse to examine themselves result in reprobation. See? So any person who doesn't deal with self-examination, brothers and sisters, best believe, according to the Bible, they will become a reprobate. Or probably already are reprobate. Especially men. Men should really... Deal with self-examination. Why? Because how can you grow? How do you know if you're on the right path, brothers and sisters, if you don't examine yourself? See? Christians haven't learned anything new since they were 10 years old. <laughs> ah, that's a Christian. I'm like, did you learn anything new at church today on Sunday? Well, nah, they really just, you know, went over things I already knew. How long are you going to say that, brother? You've been saying that for the last 10 years. You should be learning something new every time you open the book brothers and sisters why because it's the living word so Christians have done what they've stopped learning Israelites also there's a lot of Israelites who are Pharisees and the only thing they know is law 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 that's the only thing they know they don't know the spirit they know the law but not the spirit now listen brothers and sisters especially you Christians you can't learn the spirit without the letter so today we're dealing with the letter because that's the first part of getting the spirit, brothers and sisters. Paul is telling us to examine ourselves, brothers and sisters. Why? To prove whether you're actually in the faith according to Christ. Let's go to 2 Peter, brothers and sisters. We're sticking in the New Testament here. We're going to 2 Peter, the first chapter, the 10th verse. Second Peter 1 verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Read that part again, brother. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Peter is teaching that the grace of God demands unfaltering diligence, brothers and sisters. See? The Most High freely extends His grace, but it obligates us to respond. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Make your election sure. That's why there was the call for self-examination. Because many people believe they're sure they're going, brothers and sisters, and will not be there. In fact, will be somewhere very hot. See? So he's saying, prove what you believe. Don't tell me what you believe or how you feel. Give me evidence within the scriptures of what it is you're saying. Because one thing I've learned is many Christians cannot prove what they believe. I, I can't tell you how many times a Christian has told me, well, yeah, it's in there somewhere. I don't know where it's at, though, but I know it's in there. 
Well, if you know it's in there, provide a text, provide the, the literature, provide the scripture. See? So we have to slow it down, come back to the basics, brothers and sisters. And what is the basics? Being a law-abiding citizen, brothers and sisters. What we're going to learn is that the gift of grace does not make our own efforts unnecessary. Otherwise, it wouldn't say give diligence. What do I need to be diligent of? I'm not following the law. Just do what I want to do. See? Let's go to Jude, brother. And for those people who say, uh, well, we shouldn't listen, we shouldn't read the apographer because they said it's non-canonical. Do your research. Jude and Revelations was non-canonical at one time. So should we read that? Exactly. <laughs> who gave the Roman Catholic Church authority or Edomites authority over what of my forefathers I can read? See? Let's go to Jude, brother. The first chapter, the third and fourth verse. Uh, three and four, yes. Jude 1 verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write on you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write on you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Read verse 4 again, because I really need you to examine this, brothers and sisters. According to verse 4, it is possible to change the grace of the Most High into a license for immorality. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before the old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Christ. So examine that, because this highlights those using the grace and mercy of God as a covering for sin, brothers and sisters. <laughs> and, and these were the authority, brothers and sisters, the same way your pastors are doing right now. Because why? Christians... They are just following what their pastor taught them, brothers and sisters. And the Bible is telling you clearly the gospel of grace in itself is not pliable to carnal purposes. See, they turned that word turn means that not in utilizing grace for the purpose in which it was implemented, brothers and sisters. Let's read it from the top. Read verse three, brother. Jude one, verse three, beloved. When I gave all diligence to write on you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write on you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's what we're doing. We're earnestly contending for the faith that was delivered to the disciples, not this new garbage that people are dealing with. For there, for there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Christ. It says they turn it into sin. They turn the grace of God into sin. So grace did not come to do away with the law. Grace actually came to magnify the law, brothers and sisters. And we're going to prove that. 
Brothers and sisters, now we need to do what? We need to prove to you what grace is not. We're gonna. This is gonna be. This is gonna be extensive, brothers and sisters, because we have to go at it from every angle. Why? Because if you don't, the devil will get in and try to confuse you and keep you ignorant, brothers and sisters. So we're gonna prove it from every angle. This is this is the court of law, brothers and sisters. All right. This is the court of law, and we are the prosecutor. We're prosecuting who? Those who abuse and overdose on grace, saying it's a license to sin. You'll learn that grace is not a license to sin, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Titus, the second chapter, the 11th through the 14th verse. Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. In this present world, brothers and sisters, anyone who thinks God's grace is unconnected with good works is deceived. Read verse 11. Verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. What does the grace of God teach us? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Oh, hold up. Hold up. Because this scripture is telling you that grace teaches you to deny ungodliness. Brothers and sisters, see? So receiving the grace of God puts us under obligation to respond. <laughs> see, they've corrupted grace, brothers and sisters. Grace teaches you to follow the law. <laughs> Read it from the top, brother. Verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world in what in this present world now nah, when we get to heaven brother in this present world now nah, when we get back to israel brother in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zit Zealous of God of good works of what of good works no works doesn't matter of good works see so God's grace according to Titus teaches us to avoid unrestrained behaviors of sin brothers and sisters and guess what evidence of His grace must be provided by what how we live brothers and sisters see this is right in the New Testament for you you New Testament thumpers brothers and sisters. Any grace that means abandoning the standards of God's is illegitimate, according to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Now, it's key. We're going to go back up because, see, you have, to, you have to beat this point home into the head of Christians, especially Christians, brothers and sisters. Not only Christians, but especially Christians, because they've been deceived that grace means, okay, I know that doing certain things is a sin, but I'm covered by grace, so I can do it. Read 11 again, brother, please. Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously. How can you live righteously, brothers and sisters, without the law? How are you denying ungodliness if you don't have to follow the law? <laughs> 
See, wh- where are you learning righteousness from if it's not in the law, brothers and sisters? See? Continue, brother. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Brothers and sisters, I really need you to examine that. Because authentic grace is not the minimizing of rules and standards. In fact, it's the obligation to magnify his rules and standards, brothers and sisters. We're reading it right here in Titus. This is exactly where I take a Christian who's been uh, deceived. Because I don't blame Christians per se. I believe that I, I blame the shepherd. Because the shepherd should know better. Even if the shepherd is deceived, you should have known better. Because the Bible tells you those who are in leadership position will be held to a higher standard. Because if you didn't know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be in the pulpit. Get Sit down, close the church down, tell your church, well listen, I got to go back and, you know, I got to look into the word again. Because I've been deceived by the theologian seminary college. And then come back with the truth. Now your church probably won't come back after that, but hey, you got to do what's right. Shut the whole thing down. Go learn again. Like Paul said, the first oracles be that you learn again. Because grace is not a license to sin. Further proof. Let's go to Romans. See? We're purposely staying all in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Because if I try to go to the Old Testament, Christians will say, well, no. We're under grace in the New Testament. Okay. Let's show you. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. That means no. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Paul attacks the ideology that grace is a license to sin. Brothers and sisters. Paul here attacks the allegations that grace vindicates a purpose sinner. Read verse 1 one more time, brother. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So since we are under grace, and we are, brothers and sisters, should I just sin on purpose? God forbid. How shall we, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Now Paul is bringing this out, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he knows that a perverted understanding of grace would lead men to continue in sin unconcerned. So he knew that by him saying... You know, uh, a little bit later in the chapter that we're not under the law, we're under grace. He knew that your flesh would make you believe that that means, well, hey, since I'm not under law, I shouldn't follow it at all. I'm just covered to do whatever I want to do. See, Paul understood that. You can tell based on how his speech here, brothers and sisters. Paul knew the carnal nature of the flesh would be to cover itself under any excuse, brothers and sisters. He's asking you, read verse 2. Verse 2. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Look at at that, brothers and sisters. How after renouncing sin can we live, can we continue to live therein? See? (laughs) If Christ came to die for your sins, how are you going to now take his blood and say, well, okay, well, since he died for my sins, I'm going to do all the sins that he came to cleanse me of. See, you're just disrespecting Christ's blood. His blood was shed. Why? Because you were sinning and didn't know you were sinning. Now that you know, okay? See, grace 
is to cover you when you're sinning and don't know it, or you don't have the ability to follow the law, brothers and sisters. See, that's what grace is. Grace is not, well, yeah, uh, I purposely do what I want to do because Christ came. I really need people to, to wake up out of this trance, brothers and sisters, because this is the reason why your life is in the stance that it is, brothers and sisters. That's why you haven't grown. That's why you haven't learned anymore. That's why you don't understand the Bible. Because why? You're not following God's laws. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha, brother. Ecclesiasticus in your Apocrypha. Uh, we're going to go to the 15th chapter, the 20th verse. Ecclesiasticus 15, verse 20. What's that say, brother? He hath commanded no man to do wickedly, neither hath he given any man license to sin. Brothers and sisters, grace was never implemented to exonerate us from willful sin. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Verse 20, he hath commanded no man to do wickedly, neither hath he given any man license to, to sin. To what? To sin. And see, that's what Christians are using grace for. They're using it as a license to sin on purpose, brothers and sisters. The Bible doesn't, the Bible does not authenticate that particular understanding of what grace is, brothers and sisters. Guilt-free indulgence in unrestrained sin was never God's purpose for grace, brothers and sisters. The question is, should we not, after deliverance, yield obedience? That's the question. Okay, Christ came. He died for my sins. Died for your sins also. Should you not now be obedient? <laughs> huh? Really think about this, brothers and sisters. We're going to break it down for you. Because I know that our people are being deceived. All people are being deceived, brothers and sisters. I don't believe that most people know that they're wrong. Um, and they're purposely doing it. There is some people who know, brothers and sisters, that they're supposed to follow the law. But most people, even myself... As a very, very young man, uh, growing up in the Christian church, I mean, I, I remember asking a pastor, maybe at 10 years old, well, this scripture is saying the Sabbath is on Saturday. You know what he told me, brothers and sisters? He said, that's for the Jews. That's all I needed, brothers and sisters. Why? Because my flesh just needed an excuse. Now, had he said you need to follow that, I would have did it. But my flesh, that's all my flesh needed was an excuse. Come to find out, I am the Jew. So this definitely applied to me, sir. The very thing you're telling me that only Jews have to follow, I'm a Jew. And I'm suffering, and you know, my people are suffering, uh, you know, being oppressed based on me not following this law. He never gave us license to sin, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ezra's, brother, second Ezra's, that is, in the Apocrypha. The seventh chapter, the twentieth verse, brothers and sisters. Second Edra seven verse twenty. For there be many that perish in this life. Why? Because they despise the law of God that is set before them. Brothers and sisters, neglecting the law gives death the legal right to kill, as we learned, brothers and sisters. Death is the fruit of sin. Brothers and sisters, read that again, please, brother. Verse 20. For there be many that perish in this life, 
because they despise the law of God that is set before them. See, so grace is freedom from the immediate penalty of sin, not the freedom to sin. Brothers and sisters, read the next scripture, brother. Verse 21. For God has, has given straight commandment to such as come, what they should do to live, even as they came. And what they should observe to avoid punishment. It's crystal clear. <laughs> the Most High said, listen, I give you clear commandments. When I say don't eat swine, that's what it means. Don't try to explain it all. When I say the Sabbath is on the seventh day of the week, that's what it means. Don't try to explain it all. Okay? Because if you're saying that, uh, you know, I'm covered under grace, then can we steal from you then, brother? Can, can your wife go out and just be with all types of other men, brother or sister? Hmm? Can somebody come kill you, rob you? Why? Because if you're saying they're covered under grace, then that just, I mean, why does anyone need to follow any law? And see, the problem is now you have homosexuals running churches. Why? Because they're covered under grace. <laughs> see, that same grace that you were using for the pork chop sandwich that you were serving after the service. That now the homosexuals looking at that like, well, I'm under grace, so I'm gonna be the pastor up in here. Because why? You can't tell a person, you can't pick and choose what laws you're gonna follow. You follow them all or don't follow them at all. That's the whole deal, brothers and sisters. So this was a this was a purpose plan by Satan, brothers and sisters. Now you got uh, pimps in a pulpit. You got hustlers in the pulpit. Because my question is, if we don't follow the law, why are you passing this plate around for tithes and offering? Because that's a law written in the Old Testament. <laughs> so you'll pick and choose what laws you think you want to follow, Pastor. See? That's what I ask a pastor. Well, listen, if you're not if we're not following the law, then I'm under grace when you pass that plate around. See? So you'll you'll pick and choose. What you want to pick and choose, but that's not equitable, brothers and sisters. So the time is short. We have to redeem the time, brothers and sisters. We have to get right. We have to get right. And we hope that these scriptures will help pull the veil off brothers and sisters' eyes, brothers and sisters. I was under this same trance. So I understand, brothers and sisters. But it's time. Time is short, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Second Peter 2 and 19. Got a lot of New Testament for you, brothers and sisters, because we know you got to stick mostly in the New Testament with Christians. Second Peter two verse nineteen. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of of for of whom a man is overcome, of the same he brought in bondage. Brothers and sisters, of the same as he brought in bondage. So who's promising liberty? These pastors, brothers and sisters. And now the Christians are doing it too. They're saying, listen, we have liberty from the law. <laughs> We're free from the law. We don't need to follow the law. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 19. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. <laughs> so those who use grace as an excuse to sin are strangers to freedom themselves, brothers and sisters. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. See? 
So their expression of freedom is the very thing which proves their bondage, brothers and sisters. They're saying, well, listen, I'm free to eat pork. No, brother, you're in bondage to that pork. Or I'm free to marry a man, if I'm a man. Or I'm free to marry a woman. I'm free to, you know, eat rat, cat, and dog. Well, no, you're a slave to the rat, cat, and dog, according to God. See? The very thing you're saying we have freedom to do is what brings you into bondage, brothers and sisters. So they're, they falsely claim liberty while they themselves are in bondage to sin, according to the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. So true freedom is the ability to deny ourselves and leave the path of destruction, brothers and sisters. That's what freedom is, according to the Bible. It says, while they promise them liberty, liberty from what? Liberty from the law? We don't have to follow the law. These same people are servants of corruption, brothers and sisters. The question now is, the question becomes, for brothers and sisters who have Christian family members, um... Or you're looking to help bring somebody into the truth. The question that you must ask Bible believers, brothers and sisters. How do we stay clean from corruption? Because it says here that those who promise liberty are servants of corruption. So the question now is, how do we stay clean from corruption, brother? How do we stay clean from corruption, sister? And see what answer they have, brothers and sisters. And once they give you their answer, you give them the Bible's answer. What is the Bible's answer? Psalms. 119 and 9. See, so what you have to do is you have to ask them questions, brothers and sisters, to set them up. And then you pull the rug from underneath of them. Don't go in just trying to tell them what to do, brothers and sisters. You have to see what their mind is. So you ask the question. And see what they have to say. And if they don't go here, they don't say the Bible, then you go to the Bible. Because most Christians, when you ask them questions, they don't give you scripture. They give you their opinion. So I'm like, okay, well, brother, you know, I appreciate that opinion. Now let me give you God's. Because my opinion, sitting here before you today, does not matter, brothers and sisters. I can't, it's against the law for me to give my opinion on what something God has already made a judgment on. I don't have that right. Brothers and sisters, and neither do you. Let's read verse 9, brother. Psalms 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Now the question was, brothers and sisters, how do I stay cleansed from corruption? And what was the answer? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. See? So look at that, brothers and sisters. We can only make our way clean on condition of constant watchfulness, taking heed. Read it from the top, brother, please. Psalms 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. See, this constant watchfulness, taking heed, must be regulated by God's word. See, this is what I bring to a young man. Young woman also, but especially a young man. A young man want to stay clean according to God? He want to be righteous according to God? There's only one where, there's only one source, brother. 
There's only one source, young man. Whether there's a father there or not, brothers and sisters, the Bible make boys into men very quickly, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother, because they say, yeah, well, I believe in this word. Okay, well, do you believe in this part? Verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. No, the law is done away with. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. I'm under grace, so I don't have to follow the law. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. See? So the dangers to which we are exposed to is documented in his word. Brothers and sisters. See? So cleanliness means forcing ourselves to walk according to his standards of law. Brothers and sisters. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. That's how a man stay clean. Or, you know, that's how any person stay cleansed. Brothers and sisters. You have to pick up the word, brothers and sisters. You pick up the word, you learn the word, you apply the word, brothers and sisters. See? So if a Christian or an Israelite or someone else don't give you that answer, this is where you take them, brothers and sisters. Because I can reassure you that a Christian who most of our families, black, you know, most black people are Christians. Uh, you know, even the Hispanics, they're Catholics. When you ask them this question, how do you stay cleansed? They're going to give you some <laughs> some opinion, brothers and sisters. I can reassure you that. They will not give you a scripture. So you have to keep them honest by going to the scripture, brothers and sisters. Now the question is, why did he give us his law, brothers and sisters? Because this, this scripture, this text is saying, I gave you my word so you can stay cleansed. Or you use this word to stay cleansed. What was his initial reason for giving us the law, brothers and sisters? This is the next question you ask me. Why did he give us his law? The answer is Proverbs 29 and 18. If we're not supposed to follow his law, why did he give it to us? Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Brothers and sisters, according to verse 18, without divine guidance, brothers and sisters, people cast off restraint. Read it one more time, brother. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Happy is he. See? So when vision and fear of the Most High combine, they produce a strong stimulus to do what? To obey him. This is key. Where there's no vision, the people perish. That means there have to be some clarity, brothers and sisters. Or else you're just stumbling around in the dark. You don't even know what you're falling over. You're not sure why you're not being successful. You also know what you're not sure of? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Is God alive, brothers and sisters? Because it says, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That means this text emphasizes that casting off the restraints of the law precede depression. I've never met a person who's following God's law who's depressed, brothers and sisters. Or is this a lie? <laughs> See? The words of the law are words to be lived, not to be read only. 
Look at the people who are depressed, brothers and sisters, and tell me, are they following the law? Are these people who don't, you know, are these people who don't eat crab, shrimp, and lobster? Are these people who are observing the Sabbath? Are these people who are not following pagan holidays? See, are these, are these those people? Absolutely not. They're the people who are doing whatever they want to do. Now, you would think doing what you want to do, whatever you want to do, would make you happy, right? No, not according to God. That leads to depression because you're looking for happiness in something that will not yield it, brothers and sisters. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. God wanted to keep you happy. He wanted to be able to bless you. He wanted to be able to keep you safe. That's why he gave the law. So anyone teaching you shouldn't follow the law, they want you to be depressed, according to this text. See? So we love you. We're your brethren. We love you. We want you to be happy, brothers and sisters. The only way to do that, the only way I know how to do that is the way God told me, brothers and sisters. See? We're going to go to Exodus 34 and 7, brothers and sisters. And there's a reason for that. Because I need even Israelites to understand that grace does not mean no consequences, brothers and sisters. See, this lesson is not just for Christians. This is for Israelites also. Because Israelites believe that because I'm covered under grace, there's no consequence. Let's go to Exodus 34 and 7. So, uh, everyone's going to be able to learn something today. No matter what your religion or belief is, brothers and sisters. Because grace is one of the most misunderstood tenets of the Bible, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove to you that forgiveness, God's forgiveness or, or grace does not remove the consequences for sin. Exodus 34, verse 7. Keeping, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. Read that part again. And that, by, and that will by no means clear the guilty. What he did here was rehearse his nature before Moses, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time from the top, brother. Verse 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and upon the children's children, on the third and the fourth generation. The Most High here emphasizes his punitive justice. He's saying, listen, I forgive you. I forgive you for your iniquity and your sin, but that doesn't mean you're clear from being guilty. <laughs> There's still consequences. Yeah, I forgive you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I forgive you, but hey, you still gotta pay the you still gotta pay the piper. See? So even Israelites need to understand this, brothers and sisters. It is a myth that forgiveness automatically frees an offender from consequences. He's telling us that right here. He's saying, listen, I forgive your iniquity, your transgressions, your sin. But don't think <laughs> there's no consequences, okay? Grace keeps you from the penalty, not the consequences. There's a difference, brothers and sisters. He doesn't condemn you, but there are consequences, brothers and sisters. Sin has lasting consequences that do not disappear upon being forgiven. How do we know? 
Because he said, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. So our forefathers, Israel, sinned. And we're dealing with the reverberation of that, brothers and sisters. Okay? Did, were we alive during this time? No, we weren't. Our forefathers were sinning all throughout the, the Old Testament. And slave ships came with that, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Black people are not the only slaves because the northern tribes went into slavery before us to the Assyrians, brothers and sisters. The black tribes were still in Israel. The northern tribes went off early and often. Judah, Benjamin, and Levi, they, they kept it strong for a while afterwards, brothers and sisters. But when they went off, it was slave, slavery time for them, brothers and sisters. Showing you. <laughs> and see, this I show an Edomite. I show a European. Because what happens when you bring up slavery? Well, I didn't have anything to do with that. I didn't have slaves. Okay. Well, listen, you better make it right. Because you're going to pay for the sins of your forefathers if you don't come clean. The same way we pay for the, the sins of our forefathers. So don't come to us with this. It, what, that, that, I didn't have slaves. That was my great, 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 great grandfather. Well, listen, you better, you better make it right with the Most High and make it right with God's people. You better repent to the Most High. See? Why? Read it one more time, brother. Exodus 34, verse 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and upon the children's children, under the third and to the fourth generation. There's only one way to break generational curses, brothers and sisters. And that's what? Acquiescing to his law. That's the only thing that will break a generational curse, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, please follow us. We're still in the New Testament. Uh, we're going to Colossians, the third chapter, the 25th verse. We're going to the New Testament. We were in Exodus previously, brothers and sisters. We're now transitioning to the New Testament. Colossians 3, verse 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no res respect of persons. See? So careful consideration of this principle should precede every decision, brothers and sisters. Because I know many people believe since I'm covered by grace, there's no consequence. And that would be a mischaracterization of God's word, brothers and sisters. Okay? So you have to be very, very careful, especially unforced grace, brothers and sisters. That means voluntary use of grace. Grace is really supposed to be when you can't follow the law, brothers and sisters. For example... You are new um, to the understanding. You understand now that the Sabbath is on Saturday. Um, but your job tells you, well, listen, we're gonna, you're going to have to come in. You're going to have to work this Saturday. Uh, or we're going to have to let you go and find somebody that can work. Now, at this point, you, 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 you're, you have the ability to use grace and be covered. Why? Because this was not your doing. You're forced to do this. But guess what? During you utilizing that grace, that doesn't mean spend money. <laughs> See, if you do have to work, then you still don't spend money. 
You still don't go buy lunch. You don't go buy cigarettes if people are smoking cigarettes. You don't go buy a soda or a drink. You don't do anything like that. You're going to keep some part of the law, and you keep that part that you can't, brothers and sisters. And what I mean by that is when you read the book of Maccabees, when we were under the Greeks, the Greeks understood how we operated on the Sabbath, so they would come in war against us on the Sabbath, knowing we were not allowed to fight. And it wasn't until two brethren, the Maccabean brothers, said, you know what? No more of this. We just pray that the Most High have mercy on us, but you're not going to come kill our, you know, kill our people on the Sabbath. We believe the Most High would give us grace to defend ourselves. Yeah, he would. <laughs> See? That's what grace is used for. Grace is not used for convenience. Well, yeah, since I need some money, uh, I'm going to work on the Sabbath. Nah, that, nah, that don't work. <laughs> that don't work. Because why? You're always going to need money. I don't know a person alive. Bill Gates is still making money. So you can't then say, well, you know what? I need some extra money, so I'm going to work on the Sabbath. No, that you don't have grace for that. That's purpose sin. What you're going to do, or what you should do, brothers and sisters, is say, I'm not going to work on the Sabbath. I'm going to miss out on that money, and the most high going to make sure I get it on the back end. See, or you work another day. <laughs> See, you inconvenience yourself for God. You don't use the grace for convenience, brothers and sisters. Why? We're reading it. Why? We're reading it now. Verse 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of person. So our penalty shall be administered according to our fault, brothers and sisters. The Most High arranges all things according to the rule of equity, brothers and sisters. So when you examine it closely, Paul here emphasizes the severity and impartiality of what? Of divine justice. If you do wrong, that wrong will be reciprocated. And there's no respect of persons. So this, you could be a Jew, you could be a Gentile, you can be rich, you can be poor, you can be black. You can be purple, you can be blue, you can be white, doesn't matter. If you do wrong, there's consequences, brothers and sisters, even if you're under grace, brothers and sisters. So let's go to Hebrews 12 and 6 to further bring this point home, brothers and sisters. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So look at this, brothers and sisters. It's telling you that chastening is consequential to his love. It's indicative of our sonship. So if he doesn't chasten you, brothers and sisters, if he doesn't chastise you, then you're not a son to him. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Every son who, or daughter whom he receive, he's going to chasten. Verse 7. Jump to verse 8, actually, brother. Verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, there are ye bastards and not sons. Read that again, brother, please. But if ye be without chastisement, Whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons? See? So it's by his chastisements that he shows his paternal care for us, brothers and sisters. And we're reading 
the benefit of adoption. That he chastised or chasteneth those whom he loved. And if you're doing wrong in not receiving anything back, any consequences, brothers and sisters, then what? Then the Most High has not adopted you. You're not the son or daughter of the Most High. Because if you're black or Hispanic, you probably got disciplined physically before, brothers and sisters. And it was because your parents loved you. And because that's an Israelite custom to spank your children. <laughs> other, no, other races don't do that, brothers and sisters. Further proof that we're the people. And they did it out of love, brothers and sisters. So the Most High is saying, listen, if you start overdosing on grace, <laughs> if you start using voluntary grace, unforced grace, then there's going to be some consequences. Now, the consequences usually is not death. See, that's showing you grace. That's showing you mercy. Why? Because the penalty for breaking certain laws is death. So you'll get consequences, but it won't be the, the, the real penalty that it should be according to Moses' law, brothers and sisters. That's grace. <laughs> that's grace. Because why? In the Old Testament, there was a brother who got killed for picking up sticks on the Sabbath, brothers and sisters. See? So how long were we working on the Sabbath and spending money without, no knowledge, without any knowledge of that, brothers and sisters? See, that was grace. Because why? He knew that his children had been in captivity for so long. We've been, you know, under a multitude of captivities. We've been under the Egyptians, obviously, during the time of Moses. We've also been through what, brothers and sisters? The Persian Medo Empire. We've been under the Babylonian Empire. We've been under the Greek Empire. We're now under the Romans Empire. And we've learned a lot of sin, brothers and sisters. See? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Second Samuel, the 12th chapter, the 7th verse. What are we going here for? To show you. Remember, David had a man killed, brothers and sisters, slept with his wife, got his wife pregnant, right? Now, we went here to show you that just because you have been forgiven, just because you are under grace, does not terminate the consequences, brothers and sisters. It does not do that. We're going to prove it to you using David, one of the more popular characters in all of the Bible, who committed an atrocious and egregious act, a heinous crime, brothers and sisters, and was forgiven. But there were still consequences. Showing you what grace is and what grace is not, brothers and sisters. We pick up at verse 7. We're going to jump from... We're going to jump around just a few scriptures because we're just pulling the principle. We don't need to go through the whole story. We know the story. But we wanted to just show you that even David had to go through consequences, though he was forgiven. 2 Samuel 12, verse 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And I deliver thee out of the hand of Saul. So here it is. He's talking to David, brothers and sisters. And what you're going to learn here is that, excuse me, we must not equate forgiveness with the absence of consequences, brothers and sisters. How do we know? Jump to verse 9, brother. Verse 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. And has taken his wife to be thy wife. 
and had slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now we know, brothers and sisters, that he slept with his wife and then got him killed. He put him on the the front line of battle to have him killed, brothers and sisters. We know this. Continue. Verse 10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. So here it is, brothers and sisters. This was the, the judgment pronounced. Let's see what happens next. We'll jump into verse 13. Listen closely, because here comes a confession. Second Samuel 12 and 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Read that again, brother, because here it is. David came with a full confession, and Nathan replied that, Listen, the Most High has forgiven you. Verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. This is grace. How be it, because by thy deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The children, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Read that again, brother. Verse 14. How be it, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. The first scripture, 13, was grace. Verse 14 is consequences. Brothers and sisters. See? So this distinguishes the consequences of forgiven sin from the condemnation of unforgiven sin. Because read 13 again, brother, please. Verse 13. And David said unto Nathan. What did he say? I have sinned against the Lord. Confession. And Nathan said unto David. The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. The Mosai has forgiven your sin. You won't die. Albeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blasphemy, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. See? <laughs> See, brothers and sisters, there are consequences despite the death sin is being removed, brothers and sisters. See? So in spite of forgiveness, some penalty for sin remained. Some consequence for sin remained. He was forgiven, brothers and sisters. See, this is what I need our people to understand. Because let's just say you are under grace and you have been forgiven, brothers and sisters. Guess what? There's still consequences for disobeying the Most High. The laws, you know, in the Bible, (laughs) those laws are supposed to be... you know, observed and implemented. They're supposed to be applied, brothers and sisters. And whether you're under grace or not, purpose sin will be reciprocated with consequences, brothers and sisters. And we're telling you this because we love you. Because guess what, brothers and sisters? Whether you personally follow the law, it doesn't affect, you know, it doesn't affect anyone outside of yourself, brothers and sisters. So if you didn't follow the law, that wouldn't help or hurt the next man. We are personally giving you this information because you've been bamboozled, brothers and sisters. We've been lied to. All of us have been lied to. We've been deceived. Satan knows how valuable you are to the Most High. Therefore, he put in all of these, 
all of these snares, all of these false doctrines, brothers and sisters, to strip you of your power and bind you with the shackles of sin. See, brothers and sisters, grace is one of the most misunderstood tenets of salvation. Let's go to Psalms, brother. Because we just talked about David. Now we're going to go to David again. Psalms 119 and 67. We're going to Psalms 119 and 67, brothers and sisters. Psalms 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. <laughs> Read that again, brother. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. The Most High makes use of afflictions as a means to draw attention to himself, brothers and sisters. See? So hardship appropriately utilized should produce a salutary effect upon us. David said, what, brother? Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. See, and this is what the response to affliction should be, brothers and sisters. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So me being afflicted came subsequent to what? To me going astray. <laughs> Jump to verse 75, brother, please. Verse 75, I know, O Lord. That thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. God's love cannot be separated from his justice and righteousness, brothers and sisters. Correction is how he removes impediments to our spiritual development. He said, I know that your judgments are right, and you have to afflict me. Why? Because of your faithfulness. The Most High cannot allow man or woman to get away with purpose, sin with no consequences. Brothers and sisters. What kind of God would that be? That sounds like the devil. Brothers and sisters. Are you serving the devil? What God are you serving? Are you, allow, are you serving a God that would allow purpose sin? Because if that's the case, then the people who have oppressed us, beat us, sprayed us with water hoses, sick dogs on us, then they should be able to just get away then, right? According to your theology. See? Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Lamentations, the third chapter, the 39th and 40th verse. Lamentations 3 and 39. Wherefore doth a living man complain? Read that again. Wherefore doth a living man complain? A man for the punishment of his sins? Brothers and sisters, if you examine the 39th verse closely, it's telling you that the presence of life alone provides evidence of the Most High's unmerited grace. Look at how the text is worded. Read that again, please, brother. Verse 39. Wherefore doth a living man complain? A man for the punishment of his sins. A what? A man for the punishment of his sins. So telling you there's a punishment for sins, brothers and sisters. Nothing hath befallen us, only that which is the just reward of our sins, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 40. Let us search and try our ways, 
and turn again to the Lord. See, so let us search into our own hearts and examine ourselves, brothers and sisters. Why? Because a wise man considers the cause of his troubles. So what happens is, brothers and sisters, when there's a pattern of behavior, you'll get the grace, brothers and sisters. Okay? But the Most High is looking for you to, when you have the opportunity to do what's right, to do it, even if it's at an inconvenience of yourself, brothers and sisters. So that's the thing. He's going to give you grace, especially when he knows you don't have a, you know, th there's really no choice in the matter. Or maybe you did it unknowingly, like you ate some pork unknowingly, eating a Slim Jim or something, brothers and sisters. You're going to have grace for that, okay? But the whole deal is if it becomes a pattern of behavior, the consequences will be very severe, brothers and sisters. Because why? Now you, you're abusing this grace, brothers and sisters. So even if a person does have to work on a Sabbath, right? You work because you're trying to keep your job. That means you have to go into overdrive, overtime for the Most High God. And guess what? At the very first time you have opportunity to not work, you better not work. Brothers and sisters, because it, you were saying you were only working because you was forced. So you can never, after that point, never use the excuse, well, I need to pick up some extra dollars. Or but Christmas is coming up, and this is coming up, a birthday is coming up, so I need to work. Nah. That's, that's not going to work. You only break the law, or not really break the law, but you only utilize grace when you absolutely have to, brothers and sisters. When you absolutely have to, because why? The word grace alone is telling you that you're, sin you're sinning. Why? Because you don't need grace <laughs> if you're not breaking the law, brothers and sisters. So there should be a time in our life where we try not to use grace, brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's there to be utilized, but... That doesn't mean you have to use it. Because if you're using it, that means you're breaking the law. Let's go to Psalm 78 and 38, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 78, verse 38. Psalm 78, verse 38. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yeah, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. And what? And did not stir up all his wrath. And what, brother? And did not stir up all his wrath. He seldom punishes us with the full weight of his heavy hand, brothers and sisters. Read 38 again, brother. Listen closely because here you're seeing his mercy, his grace. Verse 38. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yeah, many a time turned he his anger away, and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth by, and cometh not again. See? So when the Mosad does give us consequences, it's not the full extent of the consequences. Why? Because he has grace in you. He's going to show you his mercy. He has compassion for you, brothers and sisters. So, though he chastened us, he graciously mitigates his full wrath. Why, brothers and sisters? Because he's merciful, he's compassionate, he's long-suffering, brothers and sisters. The lack of heavy-handedness gives evidence to the Most High's grace, brothers and sisters. He has restrained himself from coming down with the full force of his heavy hand in judgment many times, brothers and sisters. See, he doesn't want to kill you, 
brothers and sisters. He doesn't want to cripple you, brothers and sisters. He wants you to do what's right, brothers and sisters. See? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. Today's lesson is titled, Law Abiding Citizen, brothers and sisters. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. See? So according to verse 10, brothers and sisters, Paul is motivated by the awareness of a coming judgment. Brothers and sisters. Could you read that again? Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Of who? Of Christ. We will stand before Christ and be held to account for our choices. That every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Whether what? Whether it be good or bad. Christ will require an account of things done during his absence, brothers and sisters. So here it is. If you're dealing with a Christian, we say, okay, we all will be judged by Christ, right? Hopefully they say yes, because if they don't, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you don't know the first tenets of the Bible. But we, we will be judged, right, by Christ. Well, yeah, yeah, brother. Yeah, sister, we're going to be judged by Christ. Okay, what are we going to be judged on? Hmm? Let's prove it to you. So you let them answer that question, brothers and sisters. You have to set this thing up. Revelations chapter 20, verse 12, because the Bible tell you in the Old Testament, that he that converteth souls, that gain of souls, must be wise. So it takes wisdom to help convert a person, brothers and sisters. Okay? You can't just come out, you know, hitting them upside the head with law, 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 law. You can't do it that way. You have to become polished through studying the Bible, brothers and sisters. And dealing with the words coming out of their mouth. And learning how to uh, present the scriptures in a way in which it can be received without shaming them. Brothers and sisters. But the question is, okay, you're saying we'll be judged, right? What are we going to be judged by? Then you let them give their answer, and then you give the Bible's answer, which is Revelations, the 20th chapter, the 12th verse. Revelations 20, verse 12. <clears throat> and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. According to what? According to their works. We're saved by faith, not works. According to their works. No, I'm under grace. According to their works. <laughs> See? This is New Testament. This is Revelations. Brothers and sisters, you will be judged according to your works, brothers and sisters. So those who reject Christ's redemptive work is... By evidence of their refusal to submit, brothers and sisters. See? That's the evidence. You rejecting, <laughs> you know, you having no works to provide is evidence of your rejection of Christ's redemptive work, brothers and sisters. The record shows they have sinned and failed to repent. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great. Stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, 
And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. See, so the absence of a defendant's name from the book of life is the determining factor in a person's co-signment into hell, brothers and sisters. And this is telling you that we're going to be judged based on our works, brothers and sisters. See? This is how you have to set it up, brothers and sisters. Let me show you. How do you make sure your name is in that book, according to the Bible? Let's go to Exodus 32 and 33. Examine this closely, brothers and sisters, because what we're getting ready to go into, I don't think many people know. Exodus, the 32nd chapter, and the 33rd verse, brothers and sisters. Please follow us there. We're going all the way to the books of Moses. Exodus 30, 32 and 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Read that again, brother. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Whether we, excuse me, brothers and sisters, we either get our sins blotted out of the book, or you get your name blotted out of the book, brothers and sisters. See? So that's the whole deal. God's law functions no differently than the human law. It functions by imposed rules that require arbitrary and inflicting punishment, brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua, read that again. Exodus 32 and 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. See, to be blotted out of the book is to lose your citizenship in the kingdom. Now, brothers and sisters, what most people don't know is everyone's name begins in the book. Your name gets taken out of the book <laughs> by your sin. See? See? Every person that's born, name is already there, brothers and sisters. Your name gets taken out of it based on what? Read it again, brother, please. Verse 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. See? So dealing with purpose, sin, especially after you know better, especially after you know Christ have come for your sin. And then you go right back and do the same sins that Christ had to be crucified for. All people's name begins in the book, brothers and sisters. It's when you continue to sin on purpose without true repentance, brothers and sisters. And repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is a change in action, brothers and sisters. Those who sin against the Most High's name will be blotted out of that book. Let's go to Revelations 22 and 14. See, that's what you ask them. How do you get your name in the book? Or how do you get your name out of the book? How do you get your name taken out of that book, brothers and sisters? See, you're learning how, how to attack this argument, brothers and sisters. Revelations 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Read that again, brother. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. Read that again. That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Our obedience to the commandments entitles us to immortality, brothers and sisters. See? Read it again, please, brother. Verse 14. 
Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. See? So the disregard of Moses' law forfeits our citizenship into the kingdom of heaven. Brothers and sisters, it says that they may enter in through the gates into the city. What are they talking about? We're talking about heaven here, brothers and sisters. See? Only those who do his commandments have the right to the tree of life, which guarantees immortality, brothers and sisters. So what we're learning here is that grace is freedom from the immediate penalty of sin. It's not freedom to sin, brothers and sisters. See? Let's go to 2nd Ezra 9 and 11. Follow us to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. See, there's no way around these scriptures because why? They're New Testament. Not only are they New Testament, they were in Revelations. <laughs> 2nd Ezra 9 verse 11. And they that have loathed my law, while they had yet liberty, and when as yet place of repentance was open unto them, understood not, but despised it. The same must know it after death by pain. They what? The same must know it after death by pain. The liberty he gives us to rehabilitate ourselves is called God's grace. It's talking about liberty in verse 11. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. And they that have loathed my law. Those that hate my law. While they had yet liberty. While they had liberty. Liberty for what? Liberty to get right and repent. And when as yet place for repentance was open unto them. Understood not, but despised it. This is speaking of grace, brothers and sisters. Because in the Old Testament, there was no place for repentance. If you got caught breaking the law, you died. So he's saying while they had liberty. While I was giving them grace and time to repent and turn away, they understood not but despised it. Read the next verse, brother 12. Verse 12. The same must know it after death by pain. Read that again. The same must know it after death by pain. By what? By pain. God's grace gives us a time extension in order to correct ourselves. Brothers and sisters, if we ignore this extension in time, we will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. See? Grace does not mean freedom from discipline or consequences. Brothers and sisters, grace is like, you know, when you're dealing with a bill, it's called a grace period, brothers and sisters. A grace period is nothing more than a postponement of payment. If you have a bill, and they say, well, okay, well, okay, coronavirus, we understand. Right, we're gonna give you a grace period. You don't have to pay it this month. Does that mean you don't have to pay it going forward, brothers and sisters, or does that mean we're gonna give you time to get get, get your situation together? See, so brothers and sisters, as we learned in the beginning, when you break a law, it creates a new law, brothers and sisters. So once you're healed or once you're cleansed, you don't go back. You don't continue to go forward and progress. You go back under the same law. For example, brothers and sisters, if I'm fishing and I catch a fish on the hook and I pull that fish out, the fish starts to die. Do I need to give it CPR? Do I need to give it medicine? No. Only thing I have to do is put it back in the water. Why? Because fish are under the law of water. <laughs> See? You don't p progress and go further away from that law. You get back under the same law that made you unclean. Through breaking it. See, brothers and sisters? 
So grace doesn't mean, okay, now I'm cleansed. I don't need to worry about any law. You get back under the law, brothers and sisters. See? So you have to know this, brothers and sisters. You have to know this. Why? Because if you don't, you'll have to learn it by pain after death, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 26th verse. We're going to have Brother Joshua read 26 through 29. I need you to listen to this closely. Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. What happens? There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. So God forbids using grace as an excuse for un, uh, continued in sin. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversary. So here it is. Verse 26 said, voluntary sin is not covered under grace. If you sin willfully, that means on purpose, there's no sacrifice for sin. You're not covered under that. Verse 27 says, you can look for a fiery indignation from the Most High. Read 27 one more time, brother. Verse 27 but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. So what is this telling you? If you go read the Old Testament, if two or three people saw you breaking a law, you died on the spot, brothers and sisters. Of how much sore punishment... Tell them what verse you're at, brother. Verse 29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye... Shall he be thought worthy? So how much more punishment who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath, and hath done despise unto the Spirit of grace. And hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. So what is this telling you? It's saying if a person was killed in the Old Testament by the testimony of two or three how much more punishment does he, who was covered under Christ's blood, but continue to sin, how much do they deserve? Because it says you, you counted Christ's blood unholy. That means you thought it was unworthy. You had Christ die for no reason because you went back to the same sin that he cleansed you from. See, there's going to be an indignation against those who know that Christ came Know that he took stripes for your sins and then said, okay, well, now I'm going to go back to those sins. <laughs> Just imagine, imagine, brothers and sisters, you have a child, your daughter, your daughter gets strung out on crack, brothers and sisters, start selling her body. You as a parent, as a mother or a father, you go find her at the crack house, pull her out of the crack house, get her cleaned up. And then six months later, she go back like, oh, I'm good. I'm clean. I I got to deal with, you know, I'm good. And go right back there, brothers and sisters. Back in the crack house. Back selling her body. Is that okay? Then why do it to Christ? See? Why claim to be covered under Christ's blood and that's the reason for you to sin when he had to come and die for your sin and then you go back? Read 28 and 29 again, brother, please. Verse 28. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he 
be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God. How did he trodden underfoot? Because you've willfully sinned. Continue. And hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despise unto the Spirit of grace. And hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. So even though you had grace, you abused the grace. <laughs> See? Christ's blood brought us time to self-correct instead of the immediate judgment that would have been required under Moses' law, brothers and sisters. See, that's why it says you did this thing despite the spirit of grace. Why? Because he gave you grace to get right, not to continue in purpose sin. See? How much sore punishment is he worthy of? Who have trod underfoot Christ's blood. Our people have to wake up. We have to wake up because he gave us a time called grace to find the truth without being judged, brothers and sisters. When you would have not had that in the Old Testament. If if we if 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 two or three witnesses saw you doing something, you would be stoned on the spot. Whether that was adultery, whether that was, uh, you know, lifting up sticks or eating pork. There was a lot of laws that were punishable unto death. Not all of them, but there was a lot, brothers and sisters. If you was a homosexual, you was getting stoned. Okay? See, grace is saying, all right, I understand. You're dealing with some, you're dealing with um, some sin. You're dealing with some iniquity. You know, whether a person maybe have been molested or, or something. But they know what's wrong, so they're trying to work past it. Christ is saying, I'm going to give you time to work past it. But you better work quickly. See? Not to say, oh, because I'm under grace, you know, I can sleep with whoever I want up in this church. Matter of fact, where's the blunt up in this church? See? We're teaching you about grace, brothers and sisters. Grace has been abused, brothers and sisters. People have overdosed on grace and therefore trodden underfoot the blood of the Messiah because you disrespect his blood. He died for you. He took stripes for you. And then you go back to the same sins that he had to come die for. So the scripture, verse 26, was telling you there's no more sacrifice for sins. Christ is not coming back to die again for your purpose sin. It's not going to happen. And you'll have to learn by pain after death. Now, we're going to give you the most, we're going to give you a perfect example of grace, brothers and sisters. And if you don't understand this, then it's clear you don't want to understand it. If you were trying to explain grace to someone, brothers and sisters, you go to John, the eighth chapter, the first through the eleventh verse, when Christ showed you what grace was meant for. We're going to go there, brothers and sisters. We're going to the gospel, John chapter 8, 1 through 11. This particular, this particular text that we're getting ready to go into, brothers and sisters, epitomizes what grace was implemented for. So if a person doesn't want to understand it after this, then they just don't want to do what's right. John 8 verse 1, Christ went on to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. 
And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman, taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said on they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, in the law, commanded us. Commanded what? That such should be stoned. But what say thou? So here it is. This sister was caught in the very act of adultery, brothers and sisters. Right? Read verse 5 again, brother. Verse 5. Well, actually, read verse 4, please. Verse 4. They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. We caught this woman, Christ, in the act of adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what saith thou? So here it is. They're telling you, Moses' law says this woman should be stoned right now. See? So that's Moses' law, brothers and sisters. It tells you that if you get caught in adultery, you should be stoned. Now that they're, they're asking Christ, so what do you think about this, Christ? Verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Christ stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So Christ just ignored him in the beginning. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted, convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Christ was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst, when Christ had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Christ said unto her, What did he say? Neither do I condemn thee. Go, and sin no more. Go and what? And sin no more. No, go. Listen, you're not under the law. I saved you. Go ahead and sin. Go, and sin no more. This is grace. Brothers and sisters. See, this is the epitome of grace. Remember, earlier in the chapter it said that this woman was taken in adultery. And Moses' law tell us to stone her. Christ, what do you think? What do you think, Christ? <laughs> and Christ told her, listen, don't sin again. I won't be able to save you again. I just showed grace. Because I could have signed off on them killing you. I'm going to give you another opportunity to get right. Use it properly. Don't go and sin again. See, this is grace. Grace is time to get right, brothers and sisters. Not deal with perfect sin. See? That's what grace is. Christ just showed grace. Because why? They would have been justified under Moses' law stoning this woman for adultery. Christ said, you know what, sister? I'm not going to condemn you, okay? I didn't come for that. I came so you could have grace, sister. But use this grace to get right, okay? Because next time... They're going to stone you. And I'm not going to be able to stop you. I'm not going to be able to stop them. See, that's grace. Grace is the time period in which you get right. Why? Because you should not have time to get right. We should all be dead already. Brothers and sisters. Christ is saying, listen. If you haven't cleaned yourself up by the time I come, you'll be one of the ones that I'm coming against. This is grace. Brothers and sisters. It doesn't get any clearer than John the 8th chapter in the 
you know, the first through the eleventh verse, brothers and sisters. This sister was caught in the act, and under the law of Moses, she should have been stoned. Christ stopped it, but then told her what? Read eleven again, brother. Verse eleven, she said, "No man, Lord." And Christ said unto her, "Neither do I condemn thee. Go." And sin no more. That's the key. Sin no more. So Christ admitted that she sinned. <laughs> See? He said, okay, don't sin anymore, sister. Okay? Because I really could have let them take you out. And I would have been justified under Moses' law. Christ doesn't want you to be taken out. He doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you to be condemned under the law. But remember, Matthew 5 said he didn't come to destroy the law. But to fulfill it, that means do what was in it, brothers and sisters. And as long as you can see heaven and earth, the law stands. So Christ didn't do away with the law. He did away with the penalty of the law. See, the law still stands. We just can't kill each other, brothers and sisters. Why? Because that's Christ's job. That's the most high job. See, because during this time, if we caught you doing something, we would kill you. The Mosai said, nah, no more. I'll take care of this. You're not going to kill each other. Because why? Our people were just looking for something to kill you for, brothers and sisters. They were just looking for something to kill you for. See? Christ said, no more of that. You're not killing each other anymore. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge you. So you better get right now. Brothers and sisters. Go to Romans, the 6th chapter, the 14th verse. Read that, brother, please. Romans 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Now you understand that scripture, right? Read it again, brother. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law. But under grace. See, you're not under the law, but you're under grace. See, this is not saying you don't have to follow the law. It's telling you that part of the law that said you should be dead according to Moses. I'm going to give you grace. Read the next part, brother. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. See? <laughs> See that, brothers and sisters? See? Now you can understand that you link Romans 6, 14 and 15 with John, the 8th chapter, the 1st through the 11th verse. He said, sin should not have dominion over you. You're not under the law. You're under grace. And Paul came right behind that and said, what, brother? Verse 14, 15, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. See, and that's what Christ was saying. He said, sister, I'm going to save you this time, but go on and don't sin again. See, just because you're under grace doesn't mean you can go, you know, continue to sin. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? No. God forbid. See, brothers and sisters, now you can understand this. And I'm sure it makes sense if you want to make sense of it. Brothers and sisters, if you claim you don't understand this, then the Most High knows that you're not being honest. Because there's no way I personally would believe that the people that are learning with our church 
you know, that the Most High uh, brought you to our page are just stupid. I'm not going to believe that. And these scriptures are clear. Once you know the truth, once it's broken down in its truthfulness, in its entirety, it's easy to be understood because it's the truth, brothers and sisters. So a person can act like they don't understand it. No, you don't want to understand it. The Most High knows if you understand or not. You may not agree with it because that means you have to make some changes. But guess what? We all had to make changes, brothers and sisters. Now you understand what it means when it says you're not under the law, but under grace. Because the law said what? The law said you should be killed. That's what the law said, brothers and sisters. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? I really need you to, to examine the lesson that the Most High had us bring out today, brothers and sisters. Because we went into a wealth of understanding, uh, trying to uncover or to reveal the deceit within the grace doctrine of Christianity, brothers and sisters. We pray that our brothers and sisters are able to apply the things that they learn today. Why? Because your eternity depends on it, brothers and sisters. You will be judged. I will be judged. We will all be judged based on what it is we did on this earth in Christ's absence, brothers and sisters. The Most High loved you so much that He gave you grace for all the time that you were dealing with sin. Whether it was purpose or not purpose. Whether you knew or it was unknown, brothers and sisters. He gave you grace. But now that you have the truth, you have to go back into that same law, brothers and sisters, that you were cleansed for and get back under it, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was a law-abiding citizen. We want to say, Kwam Yashirala. Kwam Yashirala. Sin no more. Sin no more.